internet. Oh, Captain, my captain. My name is Matthew Kroll. Oh, it's cool. It's Carol. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only <laughs> podcast about movies, specifically the film, the Marvel. With a funny little ace on the end of it. Well, that's that's Kamala's, that's Miss Marvel's symbol. So I got to be honest with you. There's going to be a lot of questions asked during this episode because like I have not kept up with any of the TV shows. Any I didn't watch Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. So I have a lot of questions. I have been looking so forward to slash dreading the hell out of this conversation. It is. It is an awkward one. Uh, I appreciate that we're doing it. We we have a history of doing Marvel movies on the podcast. Uh, We go back. There's an entire uh, history of the entire MCU franchise. Oh, my God. That's right. Like three one hour episodes. Shout out to Shalia Evans, uh, who co-hosted the the phase one, two and three is before uh, Endgame, the the road to Infinity War, I think Uh, is what we call it. Yeah. And I was not involved in that. (laughs) I want to go back and listen to those. Actually, I really liked doing those. And then I think most of our arguments have come down to Marvel movies, right? Like most of our arguments or spotlight spotlight. Well, we've had the one argument about spotlight. Oh, you mean just the the general arguments? Yeah. If I if I'm looking back in my brain, I think most of our arguments tend to come around Marvel movies. I guess. Yeah. Although I feel like Mm -hmm. we've we've slowly I won't even say we've meshed our opinions. I've slowly Mm -hmm. moved to your side of the camp overall. There's no sides on this. There's 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 definitely sides. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Because the the trends that you had called out in the past that I had been like, ah, it doesn't fuck. What are you talking about? (laughs) Market. It does the thing. Uh, you know, I am also now seeing and I can see the, oh, well, this kind of sucks. Um, and, and what's weird is like, I think as you've been doing that, I've been trying to ensure that it's clear that I don't besmirch the Marvel industry or, the, you know, the MCU for doing what it's done and for being the success that it is. I want to praise that it is a massive success. And, you know, um, as pointed out during COVID, for example, people wanted to see a movie uh, like uh, Thor Love and Thunder in the theaters. You know, that, that, that's a that's a movie that did well in theaters. Sure. Um, the Marvels did not. Uh, well, now, relatively yeah, there, speaking, there we go. There's you, a lot to there's a lot to unpack once we get into the business element. Of and it has. To, and, and it should be stated that I think the more we've had this conversation, there is a delineation that we've made uh, either consciously or unconsciously between what is the business of the movie making and the actual critical uh, analysis of the yep, films themselves. Yep, 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 yep. And I think that's where our division uh, has come down to. Well, you know, tends to come down into, which is that you uh, also thought and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm agreeing with you uh, or I'm agreeing with what I think your old opinion was. And I think is still your opinion now. Okay, so correct me. Okay, Uh, you're wrong. But (laughs) okay, well, uh, no, the that the the churning of the system as it has been moving, the Marvel machine has been kind of actively hurting the ability for other films to flourish in a way, I might be oversimplifying that. Yeah, I, I, not. I think that's correct in a in a in a broad sense. I think the only sort of nuance I would want to add to that is that this is not new. the 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 churn of blockbuster films always drowns out the voices of independent cinema. It just that's the way it is. I love Terminator Two. The Terminator 2 comes at a sort of opportunity cost for other filmmakers, and it always has. But Terminator <laughs> Two didn't dominate. 
12 years of cinema. It didn't dominate 12 years, but it certainly dominated, uh, you know, a conversation the for summer. a long yeah, for a long period of time. And then now we look back at that film very favorably as an important fixture in our cultural develop, you know, cinematic de- evolution. So what I I guess what I want to say about that is that this is nothing new. Um the only part of this that I think is perhaps new that I'm sort of experiencing for me is that and this will be the controversial statement. Oh boy, here we go. I love it. What are we five minutes in? Yeah. Five minutes in. With very few exceptions, the movies in the MCU aren't worth talking about. There's very few of them that are memorable for me. There are very few that like, you know, do anything interesting or that that place themselves in a way that suggests that these are movies we'll be talking about in 10 to 15 years time. Now, there are the la- I'll, I'll, I'll agree with an asterisk in the last few years. Yeah. Um, certainly, um, Endgame, Infinity War are high watermark cultural touch points. Certainly, Iron Man, the first Iron Man, is very important to discuss in terms of what it did for cinema. Um, certainly, I think, uh, you know, in, in sort of interesting looks at the way directors can affect series, uh, Taika Waititi doing um, the first Thor movie, um, and the way that that transformed what our opinion of Thor was, uh, I think that, it was really that, that was the third. Thor oh, the, the, sorry, the, yeah. Well, see, <laughs> that's the way I'm talking about it. Uh, and and so I don't want to. I'm not suggesting um, that the movies aren't worth watching or what have you. I think the point of it is that we, in this podcast we aim to continue the conversations that the movies begin. Um, and I have found more often than not. The conversations are mildly interesting in terms of what we can discuss of that film. And there are certainly some topics that are worth, you know, probing further. But those conversations, had the movies not made a billion dollars, wouldn't be something that we probably would want, you know, like be that interested in. Well, see, I would be for the ones that do story and character justice. Yeah. Like, I, look. Number go up is a great like, wow, this yeah. is a ranking of how important this is for yeah. people as a whole. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't care how much money any of these have made. Yeah. It's how effective are they to me on a on a fan, on an emotional, on a storytelling level. Right. And that has slid. Yeah. It, um, I, I it's funny because even in a post end game world. Mm hmm. Um, looking at things like, uh, so like Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Eternals. Yeah. And even No Way Home. Yeah. I really liked all of those movies. They, uh, a a few of them have more problems than others, but like, I felt like, oh, they're doing the thing they're building. I'm, I'm caring about characters that are presented to me. Are they breaking any cinematic, uh, style mold at all? Not really. Do I wish they shot the final third act of, of Shang-Chi? in an actual forest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, I, I was, I was on board. Right. And then I think due to the way that the system was trying to just, it felt like just churn this shit out super hard, both with uh, way more movies than usual and the TV shows and mm. COVID. Mm. They were churning out COVID. They, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they oh, oh, you didn't know that the yeah. spoiler alert, yeah. uh, <laughs> the MCU created COVID. Yeah. Um, it just uh, it just started buckling, and I don't think that when when you have when you have a few movies led by a tight committee, I feel like it can work. When you have too many movies led by 
uh, either the same tight committee or even a looser committee, or not even a looser committee, just across even different uh, uh, mediums, mm-hmm. television and film, uh, then it, it, the the plates start falling in the balancing act. Yeah. And and I also again don't want to um, suggest that these characters are important uh, or that you know like uh, I have a friend that works in comics for example and these are still critical characters that have got really interesting um, storylines that are going on in the comic books. Um, I, I I read in the past week uh, Joanna Robinson and uh, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Edwards' book MCU: The Reign of the Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, this repeats a lot of information that was in a previous book uh, about the Sony um, the Sony hack as well. Um, well, it, it goes into much further detail. Um, it's a really fascinating read um, in terms of tracking the rise and fall of Marvel and. I really, you know, the fall of Marvel, I kind of want to get at. <laughs> I, I think what's happened is um, the, there's been a suggestion that there's superhero fatigue and, you know, like nobody knows how to track that or or to, to actually m- measure that metric. I don't know if that's exactly the thing, but I think what's happened is, is that we are, there was a period in 2015 through to 2020, probably, where if a Marvel movie was coming out, it was the center of the cultural universe yeah. for that period. Um, there's a couple of really interesting uh, observations in the book. The first is is that um, uh, I think it was Avi Arad uh, really saw who's now doing the Zelda film. Yeah, the Zelda film. Yeah, yeah. But really saw um, Spider-Man and the Marvel catalog um, as akin to Disney's intellectual property in its early days. So Mickey Mouse, Goofy, yeah, that sort of thing. And they were like, "Look, Spider-Man is worth well over a billion dollars, and if we could." monetize this in some way we have you know a multi-billion dollar franchise on our hands that is equivalent to what mickey mouse is to the disney disney franchise and there's a really fascinating early period of disney of marvel when like the the stock in marvel is just being bought left right and center by different operators who see it in different ways one sees it uh, i think ike perlmutter sees it as a toy opportunity. Yep. Uh, Avi kind of sees it as an intellectual property uh, opportunity. One of the CEOs, Dave uh, Moisel, I believe it was. Sorry, I don't have the book in yeah, front yeah. of me. Um, sees it as the movie opportunity. Um, and then Kevin Feige is kind of in there as well. And it's really interesting seeing tracking his rise from uh, he worked for uh, Lauren Schoener and Richard Donner. L- Laura That's right. Shaw, yeah. And so he was there when uh, they were producing the first X-Men movies. And he saw how you could really transform it like sort of an obscure intellectual property for most adults into something meaningful for adults. You could also transition. And I think Marvel has a huge hand in this. You also can transition away from the value of the movie star Mm -hmm. and into the value of the character. Like I would say for the majority of MCU fans, they're not rushing out to see Chris Evans films. But if he's Captain America, they'll go in a heartbeat. Quentin Tarantino made this point on a podcast where yeah. he was like, "This is the end of the movie style." He says that people don't go to see Captain. Uh, the people don't go to see Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth. They go to see Thor and Captain America. And Chris Evans, ironically, agreed with this. He was like, "Yep, that is that is the case." And you could probably track that to the fact that his career post Captain America does not hit the highs of what Captain America is. Yeah, uh, not not again, again not critically, just no. in terms of like 
what does uh, the name above the title suggest to you? But he's and also doing, and this, uh, there's nothing against this. Yeah. Uh, he's also doing the things that I think pay the best. He has a couple Netflix or Apple films that he's have got not. A, uh, uh, a show about the opioid crisis. Yep, um, yep. He's, the, it also seems like he's doing what he kind of wants to do, which is nice. Well, and I think, you know, so then we have to think about this from the business point of view of what Marvel is. And then from the business point of view of those who engage with Marvel. Um, and, you know, there's been some really interesting examples. Uh, again, Taika is a really great example of like basically coming in, um, sort of spearheading that character and then using that to kind of pr move off into his own projects. Um, James like, Gunn in his own way yeah, as James well. James Gunn as well. And, and, and so then the book kind of tracks like what the rise and fall is and the, and the, the sort of, uh, the idea was, is that Joss Whedon kind of in the early days played a real key role in fostering what the sensibilities of the character was culminating in Avenger, in, in the first Avengers movie. And then uh, there was the idea that James Gunn was really going to take that place uh, in a post-Joss Whedon world. Uh, but then in 2020, when, you know, James, it's sort of well documented now, James Gunn made some tweets against uh, Donald Trump supporters uh, or Donald Trump himself. And then those supporters went and dug up old tweets of his, uh, which were um, incendiary or offensive, mm -hmm. to say the least. And that led to him being uh, unceremoniously fired from Disney and and then brought back in. But unfortunately, you know, the the sort of the damage was already done. He'd already kind of migrated over to D.C. He's in charge of D.C.'s um, come upcoming slate. So there's an interesting conversation about the way that artists engage with this. And I think that's in this particular film. It's interesting to think about Nia DaCosta being kind of brought in from, you know, a film like Candyman. Yeah. And I I always I actually I, I misstated what her first film was. Uh, on a previous her first, her first, it um, her it wasn't first Little Woods. Is, is it Little Woods? Is it Little Woods? Or yeah, am I, am Night I, and Day is short. Is a short right? Little Woods. Yeah, I, I misstated Little Woods as another film called Fast Color mm. in a previous episode. Um, and so it's in you know, and uh, just as he, uh, early as yesterday, Daniel Destin Critton uh, announced that he is no longer going to be directing the Avengers film, uh, which he was going to be doing. Oh, Kang Dynasty. Uh, Kang Dynasty, and then and then the. You know the Kang Dynasty thing is there was a an article article on Variety recently uh, by Tatiana Siegel who stated that you know one of the key factors in Marvel moving forward right now is that they had anchored a lot of their intellectual property around the idea that Kang was the big bad. Uh, the starter that they had chosen for Kang, Jonathan Majors, uh, is obviously going through uh, a reputation management problem right now. Um, in, you know, again, not to speak to, to the actual issues that largely, sure, putting large, it mildly, largely because I don't actually follow the stories yet. So I'm just saying from a PR point of view, from Marvel's point of view, this is an issue. Um, so, you know, we're talking about a series of films that originated in 2008, but is a much larger influence on culture. Again, if we compare it to Mickey Mouse, you know, we're talking about, uh, uh, an organization that values its intellectual property, particularly Spider-Man, uh, as in the equivalency of Mickey Mouse. Uh, and if you think about the cultural influence of what Mickey Mouse is to to American culture, to culture at writ large er, around the world, um, you know that's the context that you have to put Spider-Man into. The book is again really fascinating in terms of like exploring uh, the fact that the MCU really started out with its B or C tier level characters. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't we, own any of their A-listers anymore. Yeah. They didn't own Spider-Man. And so they couldn't do anything with Spider-Man up until 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and Spider-Man was the most valuable Sony property on, you know, like that they had next to James Bond. So uh, if you think about 2008, when Favreau and um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. are making Iron Man, 
you know, the way they describe it in the book is their little independent film. And of course, that little independent film is the behemoth that spawned the 28 films that we're talking about now. I think there's something interesting in terms of, you know, again, just placing everything in context, because also you and I started this podcast in 2015. So we're in the middle of, uh, you know, probably the nine year span from when the Mar MCU had started, but really at the point at which it was the cultural zenith point. You know, I think I remember you taking me, uh, you were trying to convince me that the Mar MCU is worth worth thinking about critically. And I remember you took me back to your place, uh, gave me a couple of drinks and I don't remember the race. No, uh, we watched, <laughs> we watched, I was like, I don't remember <laughs> this. We watched civil war at your, uh. at your apartment. Um, because I think we had just watched something else and we were like, no, I want you to watch civil war because I think, I think this movie is worth, uh, thinking about critically. Um, and, and then we have, you know, had this debate many times on the podcast. And I think, we should just restate our goals here a little bit uh, before we get into the marbles. Um, so for me, the thing about the podcast is is that I I know we don't have a huge reach. I like it. We have the biggest. We, we have the biggest reach, but I like it when we um, offer opportunities for people who have who who like movies to watch more movies that are out of their sphere. Um, I, I really like that. That that's what I tried to do as a teacher. Um, that's what I like to talk about here. Um, and I get a little frustrated when we talk only about the things that they probably have watched and that have a limited ability, you know, have have some limitations in terms of what we can talk about. Now I I do try to engage in those conversations, but oh, I know sure. but and I know we, this is a limitation on my side. And we have a we have a decent balance, I think, of what we do, but I think you're in luck in two specific situations for this episode. Yeah. One, I don't think as many people saw this one, so yeah. you're in luck to, <laughs> for us to be reaching out about a film yeah, that people yeah. didn't see. Uh and two, the way that um the way that I felt comfortable yeah. discussing a larger element or starting or continuing the conversation that a film starts uh, with the pre end game MCU, I did some of the post, but again, I think that might've been some of the, the glow just lingering um, was because I felt like these were films that were based in properties for children that told that transformed and transcended into like legitimate emotional journeys that were about more than just action figures slamming into each other. Mm -hmm. I think with the overstretch of where we are now, we are getting, if not already into very deep action figures smashing into each other territory. That's not to say, uh, and again, we will get to the Marvel specifically. There are a few moments in the Marvels that were very emotionally resonant and I enjoyed quite a lot. The problem was a lot of things built around that or how they were presented or like where in the, where in the soup they were like, mm. the, it doesn't matter how delicious an ingredient is. Yeah. If the soup isn't great, you're not going to be able to taste it fully unless you're really <laughs> sort of digging for that one carrot. That's really nice. What soup are we having? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, what was the uh, hot ham water? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the thing that I do want to talk about, because I feel like I will be, 
discussing many elements of this film that I did not enjoy. Mm -hmm. But one thing I want to kind of get out of the way right at the front Mm -hmm. is the overall conversation about this film is wrong. Okay. (laughs) Um, And by that, I mean the reactionary bullshit that comes up whenever there is a uh, female led, or in this case, a triple female led and female directed film that, oh, well, uh, you know, they won't say this because they're terrified to do it. Yeah. But like, but like, that like that's the reason why it failed or or marvel going woke is the is the you know that and and ever since this movie came out and had a middling rotten tomatoes score um or if the numbers are not the billions and billions of dollars um they have just been like oh this is an indictment on on these people that we don't like and Hmm. that I don't think is fair or true. Mm-hmm. There was a lot sort of going now again, this movie has problems. I'm going to talk about the problems, Yeah, but this movie uh, was at the tail end of every goddamn rewrite of every goddamn thing. It was in the, uh, it was shuffled around in the order. Uh, you had the tail end of COVID and you have the writer's strike or then the, and the SAG after strike going on at the same time. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why this movie failed, uh, or I wouldn't say failed. There's a lot of reasons why this movie is not the cultural box office behemoth that Marvel would want it to be. And, um, and, and weirdly, so I've sort of like lambasted the, the bullshit people sort of espousing that nonsense, mm-hmm. but also Marvel itself advertising this film, I think did a incredibly piss poor job. Outside of even like, you know, there's no press tours and none of that because, again, the strikes. But the first trailer had me crazy hyped for this thing. Like, these are characters that I love. I have been keeping up with all of the shows, so I do know who they are. Yeah. But by the final trailer, I know you don't watch trailers. Mm -hmm. The final trailer was easily 25 to 33 percent old Avengers footage of of Iron Man, (laughs) Captain America looking like up with quotes from Nick Fury that like were from the old movies that they even cut in to make it seem like he was saying in this movie. Right. And it made it like this. It all comes down to this like end game, but this is the real end game. And I was like, this is not the film you made. Right. Right. Like, so you're setting yourself up for people to get a level of hype that might not follow along as cleanly. And they're literally setting you up. You're setting up many audience members to be disappointed because they don't trust in what they're releasing. And it it felt really, really, really strange because this movie at its core, I think, is supposed to be a less than serious, fun superhero romp with some uh, uh, emotional uh, through lines of sort of uh, found and and blood family. Right. Like that feels like what this thing is. But but overall, I would say this movie is uh, it would air on the lighter side of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Not a heavy like they even go as far in this fucking trailer sheet to be like uh, Thanos, like lines from Thanos being like, I'm inevitable. And then like and then someone else saying like, and they'll come and finish what he started and showing the villain of this movie with Ronan's hammer. And I'm like, she's not. That's mm-hmm. not what's happening. What the fuck? Like they're they're painting it like it's the next big thing. This should have never been the next big thing. This should have been its own thing. Right. And Marvel. And I think this is the 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 top of this pyramid, hopefully before they start adjusting, they have been cutting back their, their stuff. There's only going to be, I think there's not going to be a film next year. Yeah. So the, this is another side yeah. of it, which is that once they were acquired by Disney uh, and Bob Iger's kind of 
like outgoing memo before he was before he left and then came back was that we should flood the waves with uh with uh, superhero content because yeah. i think disney also understands that mickey mouse is no longer relevant but spider-man is yes um that that's interesting that you say that um because as you were saying it i was thinking about um where that um, where that approach has succeeded for them, even though I didn't think it was actually that interesting, was mm-hmm. in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Was that the third one? Third one is uh, Far yeah, From no Home. Way Home. Yeah, No Way Home, um, where essentially they tried to do, they, they essentially set up the film to be kind of an Avengers-like crossover with all of these characters coming to. And, and, and what was interesting there was that they were crossing over into the Sony Spider-Man universe. Um, and that movie made a billion dollars as far as I'm aware. Uh, I don't, I, I wasn't that critically engaged with and it. I, I watched- found it engaging and emotionally re- re- mm. resonant, both on mm. a, oh my God, they did the thing fanboy squee way. Yeah. And like, oh, like I see what they're trying to do here in a, with a, with the human element of this ridiculous story. Like yeah, yeah. I get it. And, and again, I really want to stress here. Um, uh, what makes this conversation different from the way that we would have a conversation about a one-off film, like next week we we're doing David uh, Fincher's The Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would talk about that as a singular artistic pursuit here. Uh, I don't want to level any of this conversation at like the writers, directors, anyone involved in this in, in this thing, because what is actually always amazing is how much, uh, how challenging it is to do what they do and how well they weave together things and how, and how much the mandate is very different to a film like The Killer uh, or to, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon or to, uh, you know, any movie that we've done recently that has not been a franchise film, which is that, you know, the the ma- the mandate on the film is very, very different to, to you know, many of those original properties that we've been talking about. Um, so n- in no way are we suggesting that any of this is a fail- it's failure or anything like that. It's an interesting conversation to have around the the sort of business machinery that goes around creating cultural capital. And I think this is where my first like Mm. major critique is. Mm. There's nothing more on display uh, clearer in this film Mm -hmm. than the business. Right. And that is so sad to see because around the edges of that business, you can see all of the craft. You can see the actors, the writers, the directing it's there but the business is not, it, it's very clear what they're trying to get across. Yeah. There are so many moments I wish were not hyper cut around or quick in this movie. I want to see how, uh, like, case in point, I, I, I want more of Monica and Carol's story than just like one small conversation, like one argument and one solution, yeah. like in the thing. Um, I, I fell in love with, uh, Aman Vellani, 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 uh, her, her Kamala Khan in the show. Uh, the show was interesting. She's she's great in that she has the Spider-Man enthusiasm. Yeah. Well, she, (laughs) she was a fan of the MCU and then she gets to be in the MCU and that's literally what Kamala Khan's character is. It all fucking fits. Yeah. And honestly, the, the. The fun tether of this movie is all on her. And I do think she does support it. I think going into this movie uh, just to if if it was a marketed to you in a correct way and b your expectations are not like, oh, my God, this is the next big Marvel thing. Mm. I think there is a lot of fun to be had. And I think, honestly, she carries a lot of that fun. Weirdly, between her and Samuel L. Jackson, who after Secret Invasion is actually like having fun again and is a character. 
Do you, do you um, just while you're talking about that, do you think it's important? And, you know, again, the conversation is really different now than it used to be. But is it important to treat Secret Invasion, Miss Marvel as part of the storytelling canon that builds into this film? So the interesting thing about it is Secret Invasion was probably Marvel's lowest rated thing ever. Right. Uh, it was a mess and it cost $250 million to make right. and you can't see it. Like, right. she, I, I, this is not an invitation to watch. Believe me, you shouldn't. Um, it, you cannot see where that money went. Right. Like, it is insane. Like, yeah. normally when you see something bad or silly that costs that much, you're like, I get it. Yeah. No idea. Right. Um, the... But none of the things like I could see the moments in this movie as someone who's seen all this stuff that were made to connect to Secret Invasion, but that they have since cut out or around or very minimized because Secret Invasion, I think they are just going to I don't think Marvel's at least at this point in the in the in whatever they're doing, they're never going to be like, well, that didn't happen. Right. They're just going to try to maneuver their story past the things that don't work. Yeah. And uh, the, the when they go to the scroll, the alien, the green aliens yeah, with the ears, yeah. the planet, the first planet in this film. Yeah. Uh, that Nick Fury's whole arc is trying to find the scrolls a home. Right. And failing to do so and kind of ignoring it. Like it's written very poorly. It's also uh, unfortunately time to yep. uh, collide with recent events in the world uh, writ large that uh, don't make this film feel very uh, aware of yeah. what's going on yeah. or, or or sensitive to what's going on or, you know, like, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, so basically they ignore that plot because they've, the, the scroll have been relocated to here, but then when that planet gets destroyed, Valkyrie comes and just takes them back to earth, which <laughs> the whole plot of, of, Secret Invasion was supposed to be sort of getting around that, and they never even answered it. It's 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 connectivity is broken, right? Because they, I think they realized how bad that was, right? Um, just so everyone's clear, <laughs> yeah, as we start this off, yeah. Internet Movie Database does define the Marvels as Carol Danvers gets her powers entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau, forcing them to work together to save the universe. Okay, correct. Sure. <laughs> so. How familiar are you at all, Shahir, with Monica or Kamala? Uh, I I have seen images, uh, and that's about it. Uh, I'm, you know, like when we did our conversation about polite society, I was like, oh, there's an Indian um, or Pakistani family uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's really cool. And in this movie, for example, uh, there are moments where they speak in Hindi. Yep. Uh, and I, and I understand it and it, but with no subtitles and yep. I was like, bold choice, yeah. you know, really interesting. And I was, and then, and then later they have subtitles for that. And I was like, this is interesting. Cause, uh, you know, to preface this, I took my son to see this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was curious because we haven't watched, watched any, any, of any of it. And he was, I, I think I took him on the sort of maybe on the baseline that it was like, it's a, it's a superhero film. He likes superheroes. Let's see what we, let's see what we got here. Um, he, he did come out unengaged uh, in the whole thing. He was like, he was like, it was fine. Uh, he was like, it was really, the story made no sense, but it was fine. Uh, you know, like he, he was like, that was a fun way to spend an hour. Or yeah. two, you know, um, that was, that, that was his takeaway from the whole thing. Uh, again, and I compare that he doesn't watch a lot of movies. He watches shows. He loves Avatar, the last airbender. Uh, -huh. uh he thinks it's fantastic. And he loved, uh, into the Spider-Verse. He didn't yeah. love across the Spider-Verse. So he can engage with these things. Um, but you know, Marvel's Miss Mar the Marvels was not 
like high on that radar. I think something else this movie sort of shows and, and everyone uses the, the shorthand and we've used it before of superhero fatigue. Yeah. I don't think it's superhero fatigue. I think it's formula fatigue. And it just so happens to be that there are superheroes in this formula. Yeah. Like I think even going back and I know uh, the mileage varied here, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Um, you can just see what someone who has a story to tell can do with these type of things. Yeah. And when 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 you can tell it's here's a story I want to tell versus, oh, well, 2023, we need these three films. Yeah. So what stories can we dig up from these characters to have a movie about? And an even better example of this is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which is a film that, you know, ostensibly doesn't tell a particularly meaningful story. However, it's done in a way that is thoroughly engaging and 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 quite successful in my yeah, opinion yeah um he turned peacemaker the yeah. dumbest character i think in the dc universe and made a incredibly funny and poignant and wonderful show out of it right and i don't understand like it's it and it just further proves it like you don't need the beginning of the MCU is this. You don't need the A-listers. You need someone who wants to tell a story with these characters. Yeah. And what sucked for this movie, for the Marvels, is the stories that are on display, mm. I think, are good and and have the potential to be meaningful and have been meaningful in the comics in different sort of iterations of what's going on. But this felt like. Well, well, okay. Well, this is what's coming out in 2023. Yeah. Who's doing it? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Who's doing this? Oh, okay. That like this. It just, it felt very like, I, this I, is the, these are the Lego bricks we need for this part of the wall. I, I saw an interview this week with, um, uh, WandaVision. Uh, who's the Miss, uh, uh Scarlet Witch car uh, actress. Monica Rambeau. Oh, that, uh, uh, uh Tiana Paris. Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, oh. Uh, I, I saw an interview with Elizabeth Olsen this week where she was talking about, um, uh, how they made Multiverse of Madness. And um, she basically, you know, in that interview basically says, uh, I would just turn up. They would tell me what I was going to say. I would just say it. And I had, you could really tell she had no engagement in what she was doing. Uh, she, she was like, at, at one point, I just stopped asked to see in the scripts because I have no idea what's going on as we're doing it. Um, and, and, and you could feel it. Well, surprisingly in that film, remember if we go back to that conversation, I was like that her storyline was the one that actually worked the best for me. Oh, but I, so you're one of you're one of the only people that has ever yeah. ha I've heard that opinion from. Um but, it, well, because it because it related to uh, the loss of a child. Right, uh, but know. not but, but we won't get into the all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I think um uh there's been rumors and conversations about Brie Larson's engagement with being Miss uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, which is that, you know, the first movie made a billion dollars, but she had to put up with a lot of like online vitriol for it. And I, you know, like, which is insane. I don't. Yeah, of course. It, it's t people are terrible. But the as you watch this movie, I go, I sort of have the sort of critical response of uh, one of these characters is really enjoying being here and the other two are here. Uh, you know? I actually got the vibe that this was the most Brie felt like she was part of this character than any of the other things. So Captain Marvel <laughs> okay. as a character yeah. in the books overall and writers will change. It's all different depending on the run yeah. is the hard ass yeah. is the oftentimes stick in the mud. There's a terrible run in the civil war two storyline, which mm -hmm. is not good yeah. where she makes some very fucking awful choices. Okay. Um, but Captain Marvel is kind of 
this is an oversimplification, but very has a has a um a duty or military mind. Yeah. And so in this film, which they breeze over mm-hmm. her trauma that she's sort of dealing with in this movie is she thought she had a unilaterally good idea to go control uh destroy the AI that was controlling the Kree. Uh did that happen in Captain Marvel? Nope. Okay. So yeah, because when I, I actually clocked out of Captain Marvel like within about an hour. So Captain Marvel, <laughs> I really did like. Right. Um, but she says at the end of that, because she speaks to the the high intelligence or whatever the, the mm. AI is called, and she's like, Oh, I'm coming for you. That's yeah. kind of how it ends. Right. And then this is shows her very briefly in flashback that we've never seen going to this alien homeworld without understanding anything and destroying this thing that she blames for stealing her memories and her life. Right. That's fine. That's interesting if that decision then makes it so the entirety of Kree civilization collapses and there's civil war and they burn out. I don't understand. I can get how they dry up their oceans and lose their air. I'm not sure how governments falling apart destroyed their son. Okay. Uh, That sci-fi, poor sci-fi, but like. And that that is the the crux of the Of Captain Marvel's why she's away. She didn't want to come back until she could fix it. And as it turns out, she didn't need to go through the journey of the movie in order to fix it. She could just fix it at any time. Because the just, power was, well, well, the sun part she could. Again, nothing, this is the problem. Yeah. I don't even care if your MacGuffins don't make a shit ton of logical in-world sense. I care a little bit. Yeah, but MacGuffin's not supposed to make but damage. But if, yeah. but the whole point of it is to, in a, in a well-written story or a well-presented story, to have that MacGuffin tie into the emotional journey of one or more of your characters Mm -hmm. because then it means something even if it doesn't make sense and this the way this movie played out despite the fact i love these characters and despite the fact all i wanted to do was just see them talk and like practice their powers more like that was the cool part for me right and i and i will say this i thought the the fight sequences uh, while sometimes a little bit hard to follow, were just interesting because of the mechanic of their power. Every time they use their powers at the same time, they f- switch. Yeah. So then they had to practice not using their powers at the same time. So the fight choreography, it felt like they were actually, as the characters, choreographing how they would fight, which is an interesting way to have to deal with fighting. Again, mm-hmm. small ideas yeah. that I thought were interesting. Oh, sorry, oh, I, was gonna, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, but the, but the but Carol's story had zero weight to it, <laughs> and it's because of how it, not because I don't think the story has validity or the character doesn't have the capacity or doesn't deserve that thing to be told. It's because the business was front and center, and it you could tell that didn't matter so long as we get Monica Rambeau to talk to fucking Beast at the end, and I wanted to <laughs> scream. Yeah. Um, because that's not how you make lasting resonant stories. That's how you smash action figures together. And yeah, and I, you know, I hate to say the the sort of obvious here, but like, yeah, my mileage on this whole movie was very limited. Oh, you didn't love it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, and and I I I felt annoyed at my seventeen dollars. I did. I, I, you know, I feel I I, I felt annoyed at my seventeen dollars because again. And and my spectrum of of what I value in that seventeen dollars, and I'm speaking of course of the ticket price, is that seventeen dollars last week got me the holdovers, and seventeen dollars this week got me something that I was like, I don't need to be here. Got you this conversation, Shahir. <laughs> it got you this lovely morning discussion of a film that you don't like. Um, I 
It's not, and, and you know, again, it's not devaluing the film in itself. It's well, just it that actually it's, is. It's devaluing. It's devaluing my. It's appreciating my time. Right, right, yeah. right. Which, which could be if the film's point is to entertain its audience, yeah. and uh, even though it's a very small thing, it's yeah. just and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I, there is movies that I have gone and been like, why am I fucking spending this money? Yeah. I did not have that here personally. Okay. Um, there was enough here for me to chew on that I enjoyed uh, to get my money's worth out yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, the fun moments were super. Super fun for me. I, I, uh, the, the, oh man, I always blank on the name of, I know the cat's name is Goose, but Flurkins, Flurkins, yeah, which is just such a dumb, silly Guardians idea. Yeah. And uh, I loved that that was sort of the, we're into deep spoilers for this movie, but it, it, it's yeah. thrown at you so quickly, you're probably spoiled as you're watching it. Yeah. Um, the solution of a space station crashing. Well, because they laid eggs, mm. the space station crashing also has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. It's just a fun way to have Nick Fury have something to do with the family. Yeah, uh, they save it because their escape pods are down uh, due to the Florgan uh, breeding. And they're all little kittens that can use their dimensional tentacle pockets to like make people smaller in a space to get them all off the ship. Yeah. Fun little thing. I liked it. I liked the musical planet. Mm-hmm. But again, it went by so quick yeah. and didn't fucking matter that it was these like dumb fun. It's the equivalent of doing a family guy bit, but treating it like it has emotional weight, because in my opinion, it sh- this in this movie, it should have had emotional weight. I yeah, I mean, I guess if you're talking about displaced peoples, you know, like you could maybe make the argument that that the Cree, the scroll. And then this, the 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 singing planet, are are populations that have the that have been displaced, are about to be displaced, and can foresee the displacement coming. And that story would be interesting in in that regard. Like like when they do the sort of um, Roman chant as the as the you know uh, the bad person yep. who was Cree. Is that right? Or scroll. She's she is a creep. Like you, you can gather Darben, who who they never say her name in front of the characters, yeah. and then all the characters know who she is. Right. Yeah. And you can see kind of my level of engagement in, in terms of like what this narrative is, which is that I was not there. Um, you know, I like the Roman chant of uh of the oncoming onslaught, but as the attack happened, I was like, why is it happening here? Like, why is this person here? Like, why does she come to this planet to attack here. Like what also, they... she doesn't need to attack. Like <laughs> so it, she has this thing the, the villain of this movie also makes very little sense because Darben goes to these planets and is like, we're going to negotiate peacefully, <laughs> even though I'm going to fuck you over. And I could have just fucked you over if I went and stood over there and did this without an army yeah. and there'd be nothing you can do about it. But she talks to everyone first. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I think th- like, there's a moment on the scroll planet where oh you're seeing it because she wants to be seen in the galaxy as someone was betraying her so she was defending herself right there's something interesting there a megalomaniac trying to play both sides of a political situation but that is a sliver that is never brought up again and then she just starts doing shit and you're like so you're just bad because the script needs a bad person yeah yeah and and you can see how like we're into this conversation in a way that like if we were talking about another movie that wasn't making, you know, that wasn't part of a 29 part series that had made billions and billions of dollars and affected our cultural capital in a certain way. We were like, you know, like like the creator, which we discussed just a few weeks ago, which has the sort of sa- same nonsensical moments. We were like, yeah, this doesn't work. 
and it's like not interesting to 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 sit through this, right? Um, we, if we talk, it's weird because <laughs> because, and this is this is the power of a connected universe from both a fan perspective and a monetization perspective. Mm. There, I have thought more about the Marvels than mm. I have thought about the creator. Right. I think the creator. I think I enjoyed the creator less, mm -hmm. but I enjoyed the swings it took more. Mm -hmm. The reason I the reason that there are elements of the Marvels that I did not enjoy is because the only swing it took was business. Like <laughs> it, 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 it's there's no other way to describe the structure and how this movie is piecemealed together than a, a corporation seeing five or six wonderful ingredients. Mm -hmm. And trying to use an algorithm to smash it together and make sure it makes sense with all of their other stories they're smashing together. Yeah. And put it out there with a minimum viable product. It, 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 it screams minimal viable product. And that sucks. Because <laughs> this, and it's not, I. this is where I, I do I think I fall back towards things you've said in the past. I do not blame at all uh, Nia DaCosta yeah. for this. Like the 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 way this film is structured you can see it is not by a director's hand. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, it, 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 that is a pure producerial bullshit choice thing. Yeah. I don't think it's the actor's faults. I bet you there are some wonderful moments uh, of character development and making sense in this movie that are just thrown on the cutting room floor because it didn't have enough sky portals ripping open. Like Kevin, like again, um, from the from the MCU book, uh, Kevin Feige is really painted as a, a picture of someone who really understands both filmmaking and how to integrate character, like integrate the IP in meaningful ways. So uh, I think the one that they sort of bring was he up, on vacation for this one? Well, he stretched very thin now yeah. because he's he's across so many different projects. Yeah, which um, I think is back to my original point. Yeah. You can kind of see. Yeah. yeah, and and so the architecture of uh, of the whole universe leading up to something like Avengers Endgame. Um, doesn't really connect anymore. Um, but the one that they talk about was bringing back um, uh, General Ross from Incredible Hulk into Civil War um, and making that a key focus of the storyline because that was a way that Feige kind of saw the the way to bring back something, like a character that ostensibly was from a movie that doesn't really connect into the MCU, um, but, but how can we make that character meaningful? And then you can argue in... Um, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, they sort of do the same thing with uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Um, you know, bringing back that character and then giving them an arc in within this movie. Uh, this this is not one of those cases where uh, it feels like even the weaving of this together is is sort of like, oh, oh, you know, like meaningful. Valkyrie coming to save, to yeah. take the things back to Earth. And, and her and Carol apparently having a history that we don't, know about and have never fucking seen other than they ran next to each other in that one shot that people lambast in Endgame, okay. like uh, the one with all the, the female superheroes running. Uh, yeah, that's I think the only time I've ever seen Carol Danvers and Valkyrie on screen at the same time together. Oh, so so when she turns up, that that's not a shared history. Because I not just, to my knowledge, email us in only movie podcast at gmail.com. I follow most of this shit because like, I, I like again, I had felt like the, felt like there should have been something there, right? Like it, it but, might but, have uh, mattered. But but like so much of this was like dependent upon your pre-knowledge of other things that I was sitting there as as a viewer like going I'm sure there's some reason for this happening but I don't know but, what but it wasn't. is yeah but so like the general Ross example yeah makes total sense you're building a connective world because you're taking a villainous character from a previous film 
but their job would have continued. They're now uh, secretary of state or, or, or secretary of defense or whatever it was. Um, and now they would be the person who would have these opinions about superheroes would want, uh, you know, some sort of regulation. And he becomes a, not a central character, but a, he feels like there is a distinct reason why he is there and it fits within the entire story. It is a perfect Tetris block to get into that thing. Yeah. Valkyrie showing up here is just there for, Hey, Valkyrie. I like Valkyrie. Like, remember, you know, remember the whole X-Men lineup in multiverse of madness where it was just like, Hey, the movie just stopped, you know, to like do a, like a carnival show. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and would, you know, like, I guess maybe this comes to the frustration part is like, would we be forgiving of that in another movie? But I don't think we're being here's here's the truth of it. I don't think we're being forgiving of it. I don't right. think I don't think anything we've said is forgiving about this film. I'm sad for this movie. Right. I want movies like this to succeed. And by this, I mean, again, tr- they tr- have they, I have, know they you have. Know, on enormous scales. Yeah, the <laughs> but but. Everyone's looking at the wrong things. I think of not everyone. A lot of people are looking at the wrong things. It's literally it's the fucking it's just that business is the star of the show. Um, And it it sucks because I don't know. I was I was very excited for this one. Honestly, I really, really was. Uh, (laughs) Nando from Nando V Movies said something very poignant. Yeah. In his sort of discussion of it. And I, I like this idea and I, I want to talk with him in person uh, more about it. Okay. But he's like, the Marvels is set up. I'm going to paraphrase, but go watch his video on the Nando Cut channel that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he said something along the lines of like, you're going to get whatever you want to take out of the Marvels from it. Okay. Which I think he's like, if you want to see it as like a death kneel of the MCU and like, um, you know, all of the problems that it's doing and an encasement of that, like, yep, you can definitely pull that from it. But you can also pull from it like an enjoyable time at the movies where you have characters doing the characters that you like doing things that are enjoyable. And I I I want that opinion. Like, I think it's a good read to take. But to your point, Shahir, it's. It's getting harder for me to do that, to your point, you're like, well, if this was. Like, again, creator, I, I'm not thinking about the creator. I'm yeah. thinking about this movie because of what this what this cinematic universe kind of meant to me or means to me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it doesn't make it any less valid. I just, I, I can, I can appreciate the, um, the opinion that I hear a lot of people say that I think we've had on this podcast as well, which is like, it's just a good fun time. And, and the I business can, was getting in the way of my fun. Yeah. I can appreciate that. That is the, the sort of, nascent value of of what a marvel movie means on a friday night um you know my mileage on that has really varied sure and it 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 varied a long time ago um so so to have the you know to bring the conversation back to the sort of aims of the podcast um the conversation around whether the marvels garners discussion is all anchored around whether the business of the MCU garners discussion, not whether the movie garners discussion. But the movie, this is this is the yes and. Yeah. It's because the movie makes sure that the business is front and center. Well, I think, I, I don't think it makes sure. I think by the failure of the fact that the movie is somewhat nonsensical, uninteresting, not funny, but not, not engaging for me, 
all I'm thinking about is what the business management is going. But on the here. reason <laughs> I the truly the reason yeah. I believe all of those things. Yeah. And again, this is all opinion. Yeah. Uh, the reason I believe all of those things is to be true is not because all of the things you described are not somewhere in this mess, but they chose instead to go with what they needed as a Lego brick, as opposed to what they needed for a story. And so, that to me is when the business is getting too far in the way. The, the interest, the, the, the critical, I was going to say critical failure, but not a critical <laughs> failure, but the, they didn't roll a one. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the critical mass that weighs down on me in this film is that there has been a very clear mold set for what Marvel's sense of humor is. And uh, it is often um, the, the gag is, you know, and a huge, amazing visual effects thing is happening. Uh, and a character will sort of spout indifferently about it. You know, like, wasn't that weird? Or, oh, this is, you know, just that just thing. happened. That, yeah. Did but that just happen? And that is the, the running model of comedy in these films. And I got to admit, never once has that actually landed as a punchline for me. There were two or three times. It, this is what I'll say. Yeah. There were two or three times in this movie that I did find myself laughing out loud and being surprised. One yeah. was the, the, the cat moment, but yeah. uh, this is the, the damning yeah. part of it. I can't remember what those moments were. I, I think it worked when Robert Downey Jr. was delivering those lines. When Robert uh, Downey Jr. In, in Iron Man, you know, which is where the mold oh, no. was, where the mold of this kind of humor originates Wait, what from. what are you talking about? Wait, oh. I'm saying there's a mold to these films that is that is basically what their definition of comedy is that spans back all the way to Iron Man. And it worked when Iron Man was doing it. And I and I kind of I could I I was there, I buy it. I'm saying now I have, you know, there I can't recall a time I found Tom Holland amusing in a oh, in, in, in a Spider-Man movie. In my thing though, what what Robert Downey Jr. was doing in Iron Man is not what the humor is today. Because he, uh, I think he is. I think I think what John Favreau and he did set up what the mold was for this film. And again, you have to look at it in context to like how vastly different that idea was to what The Dark Knight uh, was doing, which came out in the same month. Sure, sure a thousand percent. Yeah. The humor is vastly different though. Because what what Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man is doing, he doesn't do the well. That just happened. Like they, they, if you watch those movies, that's not what the humor is happening. The humor in that movie is snark. It is not. It it is an intelligent person commenting on an on a on a crazy thing, uh, or an intelligent character. Yeah. Now I think you're right that like that's what the the producers of the films now think of as the mold, but they don't understand it. Or it's a mold of 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 a multiplicity. It is a telephone game, a copy. And that boils down to, well, that just happened. But I don't think that that's the same comedy. It's the line that I brought from the beginning of the film, which is, Oh cool. It's Carol. It's Carol. And it's like, Oh wait, this person was falling out of the sky and was about to die. Nobody really cared that that was happening. There's, right. <laughs> you take away when you when when that's the level of what your jokes are coming from, you take away from anything meaning anything. There are yeah. if you look at what's happening in this movie or a lot of Marvel movies, it's fucking terrifying. Cosmic horrors are coming to rip apart planets like and it's treated like, oh, no. Well, my point being is that is that it's only terrifying if you brought it into the context of the world you and I live in. It's not terrifying in the movies. Right. Because it, of the it, tone. It, it, it's not terrifying at all. Like, I don't have any stakes. And like in The Creator, for example, a movie that we thought had severe problems, mm-hmm. 
the stakes of what was going on in that movie felt much more substantial than anything I've seen in a Marvel movie in many years. Other oh, disagree. Than, Hard other disagree. than other than the blip. Like the blip to me was the point at which I was like, oh, you've really, you've really taken over 50% of Marvel films had a more what number are you basing this on uh, whatever the 28 of them or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, but like I, the one I go back to right away is guardians three. Right now there was a bunch of planet destroying bullshit in that movie, but that was also never the movie's point. The movie's point was specifically tied to these characters that we have been traveling with and enjoying for years at this point. Mm-hmm. The, to the point where and 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 what I really like about that movie, and I've said it before, it ends. It's not a setup. Yeah, they have an after credit scene, but I, no one's clamoring. No one wants that. Like, it's just fine. Like the, the, the characters have moved on mm. and the journey is not. Oh, no. Will they stop the high evolutionary from trying to make the perfect society? Even though that is couched in some, there was a wisecrack video about like that couch is like James Gunn basically tearing apart the idea of corporations with IP. Yeah. It's a whole very interesting video. Uh, check that out. But the the journey is not that's not the important part. The important part is, fuck, is Rocket going to die? Like you can it, it and whenever you have character like things that happen to characters you give a fuck about that's always going to be more poignant than oh no the sky beam opened up and the entire planet's gonna go like because you can't actively at an hour and a half outside of being feeling sheer terror care emotionally about a planet's worth of people as cleanly and as quickly as you're being asked to as a character or a group of characters you give a shit about and this movie, the Marvels and many of the current gen MCU outside of Guardians 3 forgets that it's like they act like the world at stake thing is the thing that's going to make people care. And it's not. And they spend more time on that. And they shouldn't. They should spend time on these characters that people have proven that they love and want to engage with. But they don't because it's it doesn't that's, fit. That's the multiverse of madness problem that I think I had, which was that Wanda's quest to regain her family or figure out what had happened, you know, like make some meaning out of that was far more interesting to me because that's a direct character thing versus, you know, like whatever the fuck is going on the, with, uh, with Dr. Well, Strange. So Dr. Yeah. Strange had a good emotional arc for me in that movie. The interesting thing, you didn't watch WandaVision, right? No. Okay. So that's why I, I know, but, I know that that no, is no, no, a reverse no. of what WandaVision. I know that, but that, that's the MCU sort yeah. of shooting itself in the foot because the thing you experienced mm. is interesting. It is a human moment, a mother trying to protect her children at great length. Yeah. The problem with that is, Marvel wants you to watch all their things. And if you watch all their things, the thing that they're presenting makes, makes no, no sense. fucking sense. Makes no sense. And it's and 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 again, as you're watching the movies, you're kind of being asked to like ignore the the or to 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 not have stakes in this. And so like when yeah. you when you when you don't have any stakes in it, it's like, what am I doing here? You know, like why am I watching this? What what and I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna be like uh, uh, you know, all movies need to be serious or anything like that. Like, no. like, like I, you know, but, but, but there is this sort of like sense of like, this movie is part of a cog in a factory array that of whose final, final build I am not that invested yeah. in. And, and each, and each time you present me each of these cogs as significant, I am, you know, it, it's it's like when Apple rolls out and says we have made the most innovative design <laughs> change 
this year is the most advanced iPhone that we have ever made. So the camera's better? Yeah. And it's exact. And then like you, you get the phone and you're just like, it's the same thing. The same you know, phone. That's what this is to me. And I want to go on just, I'll, I'll sort of end on this. Uh, you do not need a movie to be serious, to be emotionally resonant. Of course. Uh, the holdovers is not, the holdovers is not, is not a serious. serious. Film. I'll <laughs> even go as far as to say a slapstick fart comedy, like no hard feelings yeah. has an emotional core to it. That makes you give a fuck. And, yeah. and, and, other and, than my love for these characters outside of this film, this film did not do anything to make me give a fuck about anything that was happening in this film. And that sucks. <laughs> I want to care. Like I'm, I'm the audience that's trying to give, this I feel like you. the benefit yeah, yeah, of the yeah, doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, they're making it way more difficult for me to care every time. Yeah. The interesting thing now, as we wrap this up, there is one film coming out in 2024 that is Marvel. Okay. And that is Deadpool three. Okay. The I, I love just go back. I want listener go back and just rewind ten to fifteen seconds to hear the exhaustion <laughs> in Shahir's. Okay, <laughs> it, it was well, it's perfect. just that we keep we keep having it's the same conversation. I know. <laughs> my hope, whether or not we review that movie or whatever, yeah. uh, my hope is that in the slowdown, because again, this is another multiverse bullshit thing. Which again, the multiverse intrinsically, unless you're writing very, very carefully, like everything everywhere all at once, mm. means you don't have to care about a goddamn thing because there's a million different timelines. What the the rumor is that there that this that the Deadpool movie is going to be the thing that cleans up all this shit and we get one story again. Who the fuck knows? Here here's the thing about the Deadpool movie <laughs> is that we got one of the greatest superhero movies ever made uh um a few years ago. Logan. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest superhero movies ever made. Made it into my top 10 list, and I still think about that movie. The Deadpool movie is going to revive that character. And I'm like, so... And they're going to try to get around it by it happening beforehand, which is whatever. Yeah, it, but you know what I mean? That Already, you're on the back foot here with me. It's like, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, if... if my, my, I'm not trying to convince you that this is going to be good yeah. or it's something that you're going to But, but like, that's my exhaustion point Of here. course. It's like, Listen, it's like we've had this conversation and you ended on such a great note. Yep. You ended, uh, you know, this character on, on the best possible note for this character. It was beautifully done. Yeah. And, oh, let's bring him back. Oh, God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know that. that but, so but, when you say did pull three, that's what I think. Of about. course, no, yeah. a thousand percent. Yeah. I'm just saying my my one small hope is that after that, and they're slowing <laughs> down, and they're not doing the TV shows what, as much what anymore. Point do you give up? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: as I've said before in the podcast, I, I have slipped enough. Like, I think I'll still see the major films that come out from from this yeah. thing. Although it's funny, I still don't give a fuck about any of the Sony ones because they right. just. I don't know if you saw. Oh, right, you know, watched Craven, Craven, Madam Web, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I don't buy them anymore. Like yeah. I don't buy the blue. Like I used to be like, no, no, I, I, I was proud of my like collection yeah. and I've stopped. Like, I just don't want to own them cause I'm not going to watch them. And I don't like, I'll, I'll keep up with the Joneses for a while. And again, yeah. that will run out. Yeah. It hasn't yet. And, but there, but I tell you with stuff that like, we've just sort of watched it's they're They're trying to speed run it. Uh, they're trying to speed run my, my goodwill drying up. Yeah. Uh, and I think again, I, I just, it bugs me that I feel like everyone or a lot of people, both from a business and from a fan perspective are learning the wrong lesson from what the Marvels, what happened with the Marvels. 
And, yeah, look, and I, it sucks, and I, it makes you know, it makes me sad on so many different levels. Interestingly, uh, the the wokeness or or female lead not being viable economically is not an argument I've heard that much of. Um, I'm so it, thankful you do not. Uh, yeah. your, the I, I'm aware that it exists, but it it, it really doesn't. It's exhausting. It doesn't uh, come up in in the conversations around this movie. The move the conversations around this movie have to do with. The, uh, you know, again, that, that variety article, um, from Tatiana Siegel is the, the conversations that come around are to do with how does this once behemoth industry, which produced stories that were viable, um, ha- how does it recover from this? I'll even, I know you say viable, I'll tack on meaningful. Yeah. I think th- this story, this overarching story meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and now it doesn't, or now it, doesn't. or now it does less. And, uh, you know, maybe the part of the frustration is the conversation that this podcast, you know, like I like to engage with is about cinema, is about films, about, you know, about the the conversation of what, how meaningful cinema can be to people and how there is this entire art form that produces stories which help us understand and navigate the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is an enormous breadth to that that we don't even touch the surface of in this podcast. You know, like there's an enormous breadth to movies outside of the sphere that we that we engage in that we we can't even, you know, get a handle on. And we spend a lot of energy on these Marvel movies. And I don't feel very engaged in that respect for these films. I used to. Right. I used to feel like these movies were a thing that transcended both both sides of that sort of cinematic coin. It did all of those things that you just laid out and was also beloved characters from my childhood. Right. And to have those two things come together, I felt were really special. Okay. And now it's just business. And all I want to celebrate in that conversation is things like Gardens of the Galaxy Part 2. Three. Well, two was good. Two. 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 Uh, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan across the, uh, into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. I want to celebrate those films, which I think do exactly what you're saying, which is bring characters from your childhood into a really meaningful way, uh, a meaningfully resonant stories, which help us navigate and understand the world. Yeah. Um, and the other twenty odd movies is just you know like yeah we're getting a lot of you know uh, we're being I sometimes feel like, you know, when they force feed geese to like produce foie gras, you know, like we're, we're being. <laughs> are we the foie gras? You know, yeah, we are the foie gras that are being served up on a plate. Wow. Um, it, we it, go for a decent amount per ounce. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but, you know, like I, I and and I, I really um, I really live for the moments when we can have a conversation with the people that that choose to listen to us. Uh, about cinema that like that they can carry on into their into yeah. their days in some meaningful way you know like even if just a, a sliver of a thing which is like i thought about a film slightly differently or i saw something that was really fun you know like yeah. you know and 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 we are not not every film needs to attain that level you know we have conversations like i think there's interesting conversations to be had around the creator and and the way it misses uh, and I like having that conversation. This my my only point about the Marvel thing is this is a conversation we had many many times over, and it's like a 
you know, fool me once kind of thing, you know, like, well, the creator, the creator, we talk about its foibles in a, in a filmmaking perspective in the Marvels. We talk about its foibles in a film industry perspective. Yeah. Um, Email us in only movie podcast at gmail.com. What did you think about the Marvels or just the conversation in general about the MCU? Are you done? <laughs> is it? I over? enjoyed this conversation, by the way. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, But let us know what you're thinking about that. This has been the only podcast about the film, the Marvels. <laughs> uh, Shahir, when you are not sitting in a theater, not understanding the first two, third of a film's plot because you've seen nothing uh, regarding any of its ancillary content. Where can folks find you? You can find me uh, purchasing tickets just randomly at the, at the movie. Yeah, I, uh, at my website, Uh We actually launched that new company this week. It's supernova.com. So uh, S-U-V-A-N-O-V-A.com. Uh, where you can see our work there. Uh, that's a bit of a more of an integrated update to... Uh, you know, we talked about how the fact we haven't updated our personal websites. Yep. A lot of my personal work has gone into that as well as my actual commercial work and business work as well. Uh, so so Suvanova.com, check that out. I want to say, just before I ask you your question, uh, shout out to my son. Because I loved being able to go see a movie with my son. And it was just the highlight of my day was sitting there. And it, like a lot of the time, I stopped watching the movie and I was just turning to him just to seeing what his reaction was, seeing how he was doing it. Um, like... Um, you know, like seeing if he was giggling at something or anything like that. And then we, we hung out afterwards and, you know, we had ice cream, we played ping pong afterwards. That's what I loved about it. And, and if the Marvels, if the MCU facilitates that, then that's a win. Sure. You know what I mean? Matt, <laughs> when you are trying to find those emotionally resonant moments in your life, that matter to you, where can people find you? You can find me looking for any cat with a tentacle over <laughs> at my website, which actually, again, no one should go to because I haven't updated in 10 years. So just go check out Extra History, uh, youtube.com slash extra history or youtube.com slash extra credits, depending on your proclivity for history, mythology or gaming content. Uh, also, you can find me on the socials at uh, Emperor MSK on Twitter or uh, Matthew Kroll at Blue Sky. Um, next week. We're yeah. inviting a killer into the room. He's the killeriest of the killers. I've watched this movie one and a half times so far. Oh, really? Yeah, it's good. It's great. Uh, it's spoilers. It's, it's got a. It's well, mileage may vary. Interesting. Mileage may vary. And it's a graph. It's an adaptation of a graphic novel. I don't give a shit. Really? Like, look, comics. This is a thing. Yeah. Comics are not the thing that makes me pumped for any of these movies. It's the spandex. It's well, yeah, it's but that's the spandex. For, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. It's um. I, like every time someone's like, oh, but it's based off a graphic novel. So you'd like it. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> graphic. There's so many different graphic. It's a medium. That's like saying like, oh, man, that song was on the radio. You like the radio. And it's like, ah. uh, no, I am looking forward to seeing this movie. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's, it's wonderful. It's on Netflix streaming right now. So catch uh, up this week. Catch up uh, uh, before, I guess. Yeah, be catch up this weekend, uh, and then uh, right after Turkey Day, you'll have the episode on Nebula on the Saturday. It's a perfect Thanksgiving movie as well to watch with your family. Is it? Yeah, watch a lot of people get murdered. Here's my <laughs> here's my pitch to you. I was, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of ours uh, yesterday, and I was trying to describe what the killer is. And it is this is a it's a weird thing to say because it's not it's a sideways punch from John Wick. Okay. Which is because I was like, is it more cerebral? Maybe. Is it it's more existential? Sure. But it's also kind of doing the same thing. Okay. Uh and it's so if that's you know, like if you're interested in John Wick, for example, this would be an interesting one to try. All right. 
There we go. And it's David Fincher. David Fincher's go. got a movie out, and you can watch it right Which now. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll talk at you next week. Until then, keep being marvelous. Ooh, nice. I yeah, like that. I'll, I'll let you have that one. All right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. 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 Bye. Bye.